G'day and welcome to Formula Bums. Today we are reviewing the Canadian Grand Prix. With me is Andy. How are you, mate? Do I smell or something? Because the other two just don't want to turn up when I'm here. I don't know. I generally don't know. Do you think it's my poncho? I don't think it's your poncho. Where we must I? smell. Maybe. I did put deodorant on before we started I today. did too. <laughs> <laughs> what did you What did you reckon of the race, man? 60% of it was pretty good. Only 60? I was... I was working at the same time and I was focusing more on my work at the time, but I had nothing to look over at the race too. See, I really enjoyed it. I think that the changes they brought into these cars, this is what the races are turning into. There was a shit ton of passing. You're right. Not a massive amount of things necessarily happened, but what we got to watch was a lot of cars following each other closely and making attempts yeah, that, that's a good way to put it. I think the the battle towards the end between Charles and Max really demonstrated that Absolutely. these cars can race better. They, they're racing a little better because there was a group, I believe it was Stroll, Sonoda, Danny, and Leclerc at the back. They're sort of like a, a little four-pack of cars. That you sure Alonso wasn't leading that train? He wasn't this time. He was a little <laughs> bit further in front. He was a little bit... No Alonso train today. Nah, everyone he got He just raced. <laughs> Um, but they, they sat together for, I want to say, like, a majority of the race, swapping positions between them. Danny shaped up four or five overtaking attempts on Yuki before he got him. So it was just the de- the delay of one one passing attempt, two laps to cool down, a lap to charge, a lap to push again with these absolute diehard passes. I mean, it's removed the hero pass from the sport of people going... Either I'm getting past or neither of us are finishing. It's taken that out, which means, yes, there's less crashes and there's not as much carnage on the track, but the actual race is more enjoyable to watch. I get that, but I'm a rev head. I like crashes. I like the bin it or win it sort of mentality that Max has always brought. I Look, I, I've loved it. I'm enjoying the change. And I think you have to watch more of it now. Because there's not, you can't just kind of look away. It's gone from test match to one day of style. That's a good way to describe it. That's cricket, by the way, if you don't know <laughs> what that is. So, look, I really enjoyed it. I think the majority of it I enjoyed. Yeah, Canada is a great racetrack. Oh, it, it is probably my second favorite track on the calendar behind the Red Bull Ring. It, it's honestly, the weather we had there was gorgeous. We had a little bit of rain in the practices and qualifying. I wish that rain had stuck around for the race. It did make the race, like, it looked beautiful. So, it's built on, like, a little, I don't know if it's man-made, but parts of the island are man-made, and the whole track takes up the whole island. I Mm. didn't realize it was literally... Just the island. Yeah, built on an island in a river. So, I thought the location was awesome. It's a beautiful track. All the trees surrounding it. It's just fantastic. It it, was pretty good. I've always enjoyed the Circus Gilvillena. It's It's probably, like I said, the second best track on the calendar behind... Red Bull Ring for race standard and like beauty of the landscape. Yeah, it is seriously a looker. Wall of Champions, not much of a factor. I was a little nervous towards the end of the race. I thought Max was going to put it in it. They were even they were mucking they, around with that in commentary they saying were, like, it, if, if anyone's going to do it, it's going to be him. But no, no effect. I don't think anyone hit it this week. No, but can we just take a pause and yell at Crofty because he made a fucking huge blunder this week. Is this about Ocon? This is 100% behind Ocon. You've got the top five just after the safety car. 
They're all in line, and he goes through how Max has had 25 wins. He talks about how Lewis has had seven wins. He brings up Sainz's look hunting for his first win. George is hunting for his first win. And he also says Esteban's hunting for his first win in F1, completely forgetting Hungary last year. I listened to that thing five times just to be 100% sure I heard what he said. And he said Esteban hadn't won yet. I don't often come to Crofty's defense, but I do kind of want to put a little bit of weight on his scale and be like, well, technically it was Fernando's win. (laughs) It was Fernando's doing. It was Fernando's doing. But However, the record book show Ocon stood on the top step. He of had a last win. That was a, that was an incredible race because that's when Bottas Kamikaze did six people out, didn't he? That was exactly it. <laughs> it just reminded me, like I, I listened to it five times, like I said, and I just had that that Instagram meme of that if you close your eyes in emotional damage, yeah. which is pictures of Esteban's win flashing up the whole time. I was like, if I wasn't at work today, I was making that and putting it on Insta. And we don't like. We're kind of 50-50 on Esteban. Like, some weeks, we're like, yeah, he did really good. And other weeks, we're like, get out of Oscar's way. You're holding up the Australian exactly. party train. But he's doing quite well overall. He's got a race win. He got in the way of Fernando this week. Yeah, it was interesting. And they brought up the idea of team orders, which is just a complete fallacy when it comes to Fernando Alonso. I don't even know why they have a radio in his car. He's not listening, and he won't do what you tell him anyway. I know, right? It's great. That's why I love him. Overall, solid race weekend, I think. Solid race weekend. I enjoyed, like I said, 60% of it. I don't think the groundhog Nicholas Latifi ran over enjoyed it. I... Thought we were a little bit crazy last week talking about groundhogs and how ridiculous it will be, but they came into effect more than once this weekend because there was, I think, free practice one a groundhog ran across the road and then in another practice session. Yeah, Latifi ran over one. Did he Co- hit it? Of course, yeah, he hit it. He ran over it. Of course he fucking did. Nicholas <laughs> Latifi finds ways to hit shit. It was a lackluster weekend for him, the poor guy. When isn't? A Formula One weekend, a lackluster weekend for him. Yeah, you know what? It's been it's been a year. It's been long enough. Put Piastri in that goddamn car, or fire Ocon and put him in that car too. Either one's fine. Just get Oscar in the car. Basically, that's what we're saying. We're, we're champion <laughs> Oscar Piastri, next Formula One world champion. World champion, absolutely. Shoeys all around. Exactly. I do. Before we jump into the race itself, I guess we need to have a chat about porpoising because the FIA has actually done something about the whole issue. We had a couple of weeks ago, them sit down with all the drivers. Everyone was like, yeah, look, we're pretty sore, except for Fernando, who was like, I haven't been able to feel my lower back in years because I've been carrying every fucking team on my shoulders since I've been in the sport. So <laughs> and then we had, I believe, earlier the year, Mercedes kind of put in an official thing to the FIA yep. being like, we want some changes made. So they've come out. What have they said? So what I understand is that they've now listened to Mercedes. Yeah, the FIA listened to Mercedes. Favoritism, right? I mean, Ferrari would have something to say about who's the favorite, but would I digress? Anyway, basically what they've done is the way I understand it now, I don't 100% understand it. I've watched about four videos on it to sort of dumb it down. Because even I don't understand the technical jargon. And basically what they're going to do is over free practice one, free practice two, and free practice three, they're going to monitor the accelerometers that are in the cars underneath the seat of the driver and the driver's inner ear. Sort of to monitor the the effects of the bouncing and try and find a safe 
a safe minimum that the car is allowed to bounce. Yep. That will protect the drivers. Some, it's something like that. And that dynamic will be set by the end of FP3. And then you have to adjust the car pre-qualifying. Yes. However, the FIA understands that, you know, maybe throughout free practice, teams don't get to that safe barrier that they're going to assess. So there's still there's still things that they're looking at. They're looking at a way to make this safer for the drivers, which is an overall win in a way. Because, I mean, I think they're right. The longer we continue with these cars bouncing that way, we don't know the long-term effects. When, when does Lewis sever his spine? You know what I mean? Absolutely. And I know it's very easy to jump and be like, oh, Mercedes getting the rule book changed to help them. However, I guess this is kind of an inevitable change you're going to make because these ground effect cars aren't going away. The FIA isn't considering any drastic changes no. to the cars. What they're kind of doing is matching other safety things in procedure. So the drivers wear... Uh, shock measurers, so if they hit the wall at a certain amount of Gs, it de- instantly deploys the medical car and they have to go for treatment. Exactly. They have the hands device on the neck. Which, which you incorrectly said was introduced in the 2010s last week, yep. but it was introduced in 2003 as mandatory and tested in 2002 at the Italian Grand Prix. So suck a dick on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I did my best. Look, Jack, Jack has a world of Formula One where the, everything's made up and the points don't matter because Max always wins. Yeah, it's called Whose Car Is It Anyway? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you picked up on yeah, that. Yeah, 100%. It's great. It's a great show. But what, they, what they're kind of doing now is just... And really, the only team this will, I think, drastically affect will be Mercedes. It will force Mercedes to change the the setup of their car because they're the ones who are experiencing the worst of it, right? Yep. And it seems like every other team principal believes that too. Yeah, because... because in further news, all the team principals apparently had a massive argument with Toto Wolf over the weekend about this. Basically, all of them said it's your philosophy that's flawed, Mercedes. Why don't you fix it? We did. Yeah, and I don't... I guess where, where Mercedes is coming from is like, yeah, well, we're happy to fix it, but we're hoping to fuck with a couple of you in case. So... I guess the teams that you could say are safe from this are the Red Bull manufactured cars. So Alpha Tower and Red Bull, they're not porpoising yep. a huge amount. McLaren's pretty stable. Yep. The Ferraris relatively. No, relatively. No. I was watching think something today. It said Ferrari will also have a massive effect on this because right. you'll, you'll notice in their high speed, they are bouncing a bit, but they're not hitting the ground as much. Cornering, as they're sorted. Cornering. As soon as they hit that corner, for some reason, that car just sticks to the ground. It doesn't bounce, but it's on the high speed straights and stuff. You do see the Ferrari still bouncing a little bit. Yeah. You could say the Haas is relatively safe. The Williams seems fine. Yeah, like, neither of them normally finish. Yeah, yeah. But they're not bouncing crazy either. No, like, they're not. The The real people this is going to affect is Mercedes. I think they're just hoping to take a few people with them or just throw a spanner into their engineering work, hoping, hoping they can shake up the confidence of a few teams. Yeah, And it seems to be working. They all had an argument. I know that Mattia went incredibly hard against it. I could just imagine that because it would have all been an Italian too. Oh, he would have let... Loose. He would have given Benito Mussolini a run for his money. <laughs> <laughs> so there's just... I I like how the FIA is looking at this. Yeah, I agree. I think that they're, they're looking at it as a, a safety precaution for the drivers themselves. 
It's not like the teams are out there experiencing these issues that the drivers are. No, this only affects 20 people in the world. But it just so happens that those 20 people are the most important factors in those teams. Exactly. So we it'll be interesting to see. I dare say they'll have like the Joker system involved when it comes to team curfews, right? With the changing of the they still setup. Got, they've still got that in place now. You've got, what is it, two or three that you can break. Exactly. And then after that, you get stuck. Yeah, so I penalties. think when it comes to the setup, when this rule comes in, they'll be, okay, for the next six races, you're allowed to not fix, or you're allowed to either stay later or go, we are going to bounce over the safe limit this weekend a couple of times before it becomes a, a flat rule. Okay, I could see that happening. I could also see them being like, "No, you have to fix it. It has to be in this. If you can't fix it, we'll set this. We'll set it up for you." Oh, that'd suck. The other thing I forgot to mention too is they're also monitoring the plank at the bottom of the car. So obviously, you know, they have a piece of wood strapped to the bottom of the car. Yeah, the skid plate. Yeah, the skid plate. So they're they're going to monitor the wearing of that because obviously that's going to wear out the more you hit the your ass end on the ground. You know what I mean? So they're going to monitor the wear on that, and if that that component is too worn. You will either be forced to change it slash be disqualified, as happened to Michael Schumacher in the nineties. True, which uh, makes sense because that's that's the part of the car that is the only thing that touches the ground. Exactly, the skirting and the the venturi tunnels don't hit the ground. It's the piece of wood attached underneath all of that that's hitting the ground. Exactly, I think that's fine. That just makes perfect sense when it comes to like the technical aspect of this sport by being like, well, we're going to look at all the components that are affecting this, and really. This is a Mercedes problem. As you've said for the last couple of weeks, it's just, just lift the car up a little bit. Just just sacrifice a little bit of performance and you'll still finish where you're finishing. Which would explain Mercedes racing here being like, well, if we're going to have to sacrifice performance, let's see if we can force one or two other teams, our competitors, to sacrifice a little bit of performance. Agreed. Also, can we just point out that in this vast technical world of Formula One, <laughs> it's, it's a, a piece of wood. <laughs> It is it's just a 2 x 4 on the bottom of the car. <laughs> it's literally just a slab of wood, like decking timber that they smack on the bottom. Yep. It's not even fancy. It's, no, it's, it's just, just wood. It's just got some bolts in it. She'll be <laughs> all right. I do, I do love that. Like, no matter how advanced these cars can get, they're suctioning to the ground. They're doing all these fancy things. They've got accelerometers, temperature gauges, everything all over the vehicle to gather data. And the still the best solution for it towards the ground is wood. Wood. Just wood. It's fantastic. And it, it, make, it makes perfect sense. It's cheap. It's easily replaceable. And it doesn't matter if you smash it on the ground a hundred times. It's a piece of wood. Yeah, it's a piece of fucking wood. What are you going to do? Like, just burn it <laughs> after. Make a fire with it. Big whoop. Yeah. Who cares? So, that I mean, that's the big piece of news, right? That's really it. There's just... I mean, the rest of it's just the penalties that certain drivers took throughout the race, before the race, and after the and race. And there was... There's a lot. Uh, yeah, it was quite a few. Should we jump into the race, mate? Uh, might as well. All right, we're going to start with... I don't even know if we've ever started with this team first before, but we're going to start with the Alpines. Mainly because it was a very successful weekend across the board for the Alpine cars. Okay. I think Fernando had a fantastic weekend. I have a conspiracy about Ocon. All right. Well, before I start to talk positively about them... Get the tinfoil hat on and tell me what you think. So do you remember Qatar last year? I don't remember anything and this podcast is evident of that. I know. But do you remember last year at Qatar when 
Ocon was defending against Hamilton, and Alonso said, tell Ocon to defend like a lion. And, and Ocon, Ocon just pulled over to the side of the road and let Hamilton pass. Yes. I do remember that, yes. yes. But st- look, at last night, I know Ocon is on worst tyres here, but did he put up any fight when Hamilton has just skid past him on the main straight? No, he's angling for the Mercedes seat, for sure. That is, that's 100% it. When it's Hamilton, he somehow forgets to defend. He wants that Mercedes seat. Oh, that is, that is why he's doing it. Every time a Mercedes is in his rearview mirror, he seems to pull to the side. The Mercedes goes through no matter what shape it's in. It, it's not a secret that he's like a Toto chosen. I understand that, but I'm just saying he's signed to Alpine for the next few years. You're meant to be putting all your effort into, into Alpine, not trying to get a Mercedes seat because you're never going to get it, mate. Yeah, I don't think he's going to get the Mercedes seat. I'm sorry to say, but I just don't think you fit. No, I, d- I don't think so because when people look at these races, he's not doing the required things. Like, he isn't the best defensive driver. No, he's letting Mercedes just drive past him. Exactly. So, it's not, I don't want you to think you're crazy with this conspiracy theory because I've been thinking about it for a while. I'm like, this dude fights everybody, including his teammate, except for two drivers. Yep. And what did George do when he was in a Williams coming up on Valtteri? Moved out of the way. No, he didn't. He crashed into him. <laughs> <laughs> take a take a leaf Look, out of goddamn George's book and crash into Lewis. The only person that it upset is Dave and it, the, the Isle of Britain. It would. It definitely would. You're not crazy. I didn't think I was. No. <laughs> but now I'm going to talk positively about their weekend as a whole because... No, they deserve to be talked about positively. I just wanted to get that out there and on record that I, that's what I think happens with Ocon and Mercedes. Look, it's not. It's definitely not far-fetched. Considering some of the shit we've said, yep. it's not the most far-fetched thing <laughs> that we've ever, we've ever invented. Fernando, absolute killer when it came to his qualifying. Oh, mate. That was... One of the best laps I've ever seen. In the wet, he did it on Inters. Yep. When the other two cars on Inters at that point crashed out, flawless. Like, it just goes to show that it doesn't matter really how old you get. If you've got it, you've got it. And he is a freak. His two world championships were insane. Yep. All his bad attitude he had in those McLaren years was because he knew what he was capable of and, and they weren't giving it to him whatsoever. They were giving him a GP2 engine, is that correct? I believe it was, uh, yes, a GP2 engine. <laughs> I think he uh, made that very clear. <laughs> or in that one famous press conference when they went, oh no, it was also on the radio when they went, no, yeah, no, the upgrades feel good. We're definitely much slower I was now. just about <laughs> to bring that up. It is, it's clear that one, that 100 race plan we spoke about a few weeks ago is working. Oh, definitely. It also shows that having that experienced, crazy driver in your team who is leading the development setup of the vehicles is effective. Because Ocon is only as good as the car he's in. And he's about sixth or seventh fastest at the moment. Yes, exactly. So that whole Alpine unit, and it pains me to say this, is the team that Danny should have probably stayed with, in hindsight. Should have been Danny and Alonso there. It would have been brutal watching those two work together. Oh, that That's car a was horrifying perspective for other teams. That car would have been deadly next year. Not yep. this year, next year. Next year would be deadly. It's also, I'll tell you what, if they keep at their current rate, it's going to be deadly 
first race back from the summer break because we're, we're nearly there. I know. We're not that far away. We've got what? Silverstone? Silverstone. I think Austria is before it and potentially Hungary. Yeah. Or only two of those. Yeah. We're close. And they've gone from coming out at the start of the year being in the mid-pack group to now being the clear fourth to third quickest car. Oh, they're, they're clearly outshining McLaren. Outshining McLaren, they've got leagues on the Astons and the Alpha Tauris. Yeah, but my Holden Commodore has leagues on that Aston <laughs> in Lance Stroll's hands. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, like, Fernando just, again, showing what he's truly capable capable of in every session. Yeah. Just pushing the limit, finding the lines. No silly stuff from him this weekend, though, which was he, good. I think he wanted to try and push for that win. Or get on that podium. Definitely. I think there was a definite change midway through the race when they realized that, okay, well, the Ferrari and the Red Bulls have gapped us a little bit. Let's change our strategy to making sure that we're fighting the Mercedes as best we can. There was a definite change in the strategy. It it didn't pay off super well, though, because he missed out with one of the safety cars. Yep. So the second BSC, when it was deployed, apparently, he said he was on the pit straight. So obviously, he's he's missed the pit entry. He's gone around. He's planning to pit, apparently, up until he gets to the pit and they ended the VSC. And he stayed on that first set of tyres for a long time. Thir- nearly 30 laps. Which, yeah, he's, it's good. That that Alpine mm. is a very, very solid race car. Like, if you're a junior driver looking to come into the sport, Alpine's now on your list. Yep. If you're a driver who's looking at your contract ending at the end of the year, Alpine's now a destination you want to kind of go and work with. However, in saying that, I think the rumours coming out about Piastri this weekend show who's driving that car next year. What have the rumours been this weekend? Have been well, much more the same or are they changing? No, the, the rumour is heavily... He's already signed the Williams contract. He'll be moving to Williams next year. Williams will also be swapping to a Renault Alpine engine as well. Okay. That as actually makes of the a deal. lot of sense. That makes now, a lot of sense. Williams has come out and denied all of this, which means they're definitely doing this as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, but Otmar's involved, and Otmar has denied every single career move he's obviously made forever. Yes, and he's also said Piastri will be in F1 next year. I think it's inevitable. He has to be. Otherwise, there's no real chance. And he's one of the, he is the best junior driver we've seen. Since George. I think since George. And he's better than George. I believe he could be better. Than no, that. no. He's won three championships in a row. Those Everyone that. else has won two. I get that. So he's better. But yeah. I want to see him in this field. I just want to see what he can do. in Because you've got to remember the jump from F2 to F1 is astronomically more difficult than the jump from second grade rugby league to first grade rugby oh, league. 100%. Or jumping from second grade supercars to first grade supercars. Jump from the Bush series. Sorry. The... Whatever the Infinity Series in NASCAR to the Cup Series. Yeah, well, it is. It's and the biggest jump in world sport. It is, absolutely. But And I'm not sitting here saying that Piastri is going to come out in his rookie year and win a world championship. He's not all. Lewis. No. But he's going to come into this sport and be a person who has the ability to win a world championship. Oh, he will definitely win a world champion. I can't wait for that day that he wins the world championship in this country. Could you imagine? Huge. Wait. Huge. 
pubs will have to be open to like 4 <laughs> Yeah, because it'll probably be in Abu Dhabi, yeah, right? that's when the race starts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he has so much untapped potential. He's clearly a good character in front of the media. He's realistic. He's well-trained, but he's also funny. He works well with his teammates. Like, he is a very complete person you want on your team. The Williams switch from Mercedes to Alpine is the biggest news in that. I don't think it is. Because they were Renault before they went to Mercedes. Were they? They were. Okay. So, they're kind of going back. Which also, shout out to the Renault manufacturing division from going to nearly being forced out of the sport only being kept in because they were a manufacturer, because Red Bull left them, McLaren left them, yep, and Williams left them before, yeah. But that that engine was a bit better. That was when they were winning world championships, or that engine when they left. Yeah, it's very very promising for Renault and Alpine as a brand, but in particular, their F one dream because having a customer team gives you twice the amount of data to look at when we're talking engines, yep. the teams won't send them everything, but now they have four vehicles that they can look at s- Look at what's going on with their engine. It also gives them far more clout in the paddock. It creates a voting block. It does, because you've got Renault Williams, Red Bulls, Ferrari Haas, Alpha, yep. and the three Merc teams after that. Yep, and makes sense too when Toto's thinking of dropping... It would make sense. A I customer think. team. If you look at the four team, the four Merc teams at the moment, now I know three of them are underperforming significantly. Yep. But if you look at the three individual teams, there's something in the Aston. Seb is proving that. Absolutely. Lando is proving there is enough speed in that McLaren that at most tracks he will be in the top 10. Yep. Where the fuck are the Williams? Nowhere. Exactly. Absolutely nowhere. So it would make sense that Toto keeping his evil emperor stick up would drop the weakest one. You are the weakest link. Fuck off. And also the poorest team too. Exactly. So it, it makes perfect sense. I think the future's looking better for Williams with this closer relationship with Alpine. Yeah, that's if it all goes through. Though. This is all hypotheticals until confirmed. I just want to point that out. Oh, I mean, absolutely. But the thing with it in F1 is there's no such thing as a secret. No. And the sooner someone denies something in F1, it's a reality. Yeah, exactly. Those are the rules that this more follows. And the way this rumour has come about, just from starting with, oh, we think he signed to five or six news articles saying, oh, we're pretty sure he signed to... Well, he signed. We just They're announcing it at Silverstone. They're announcing it at Austria. They're going to announce it probably at the next Grand Prix. Because Piastri's release clause in his Alpine contract says they have to release him if he has a drive by Silverstone. So if they come into Silverstone and announce it, it wouldn't shock me. Oh, 100%. 100%. And we should probably talk about Ocon's performance this weekend. I was trying so hard to avoid that. Fine. Again, he he drives that car as good as that car is. If he had any shred of team spirit, he would have let Alonso pass, and then Alonso wouldn't have copped. The five-second penalty right at the end. The They were discussing it, and I think the reason they couldn't is because... Valtteri was on his ass. Valtteri was there. But you know what? If Ocon's good enough, he would have got past Valtteri if Valtteri got past. I'm just saying. 
But that's also the thing with Ocon. We know he doesn't have the killer instinct that Fernando, that Charles, that Max, Lewis, and Danny have where it doesn't matter what you put in front of them. They don't care. Get good, scrub. <laughs> but fine weekend. Yeah, fine weekend. I Very fine. successful. I don't think anyone can knock the Alpine's performance. They're definitely a team that needs to be spoken about more as a championship threat this year. I don't I wouldn't say championship threat, but I guarantee you if Max and Charles start having a Max and Lewis relationship, that come Monza when Max takes out Lewis ah uh, Charles. Sorry, Charles uh put Parksy's car underneath Max's thank car. Thank you. Thank Sorry. you. Sorry. Sorry, I did forget Max is perfect and we can't <laughs> we can't knock him. But no, seriously, like if that happens, then the Alpines could be there to capitalise, similar to how McLaren capitalised last year. I think so. I think so. They've definitely moved into the leader of the mid-pack. Yes, quite significantly too. Yeah, definitely. And that's, that is a good thing to see. It's yeah. been a while since we've seen Renault slash Alpine be anything other than like, a, well, they're in the a sport. stop. Yeah. And they were for a lot of years. When Cyril was there. Which is unfortunate too, because Cyril... Was such a good character in the paddock. He was very French. <laughs> he was possibly the most Frenchman that had ever Frenched in that sport. I, I, seriously, man. And again, the only like, and my heart does break from a little bit because he had that sit down with Danny near the start of the year. And Danny's like, "So you keeping up to track with?" He's like, "I can't, man. I cry every time I know I'm not there, and I see stuff about it because he loved it so much." But it's also, I think. Cyril should be very, very proud of what he built. Of what he built, because all of the success they're going on now didn't really come from last year. Last year they were kind of flailing. They had no real leadership, no real direction. Cyril left that team on the upswing. They had a year in the wind. Yep. Otmars came in and gone, okay, time to fix this. All we need to do is change these few things here, here, and here, make this forward looking plan. And we're going to be exactly where we want to be. It wouldn't shock me in five years when Piastri eventuates at Alpine that he wins it at Alpine. Wouldn't shock me. No. And I'd be I'd be welcome to it. I really would. We need... And we need competition. We do. We can't just have... Oh, okay. So we're going to have four years of Red Bull and then we're going to go back to six years of Mercedes. And then we get two years of Ferrari and then there's five years of Mercedes. You know what I mean? Yep. I don't want that. I want new world champions every year. I want, cha- I want it to be earned. Not dominated. Exactly. Because it makes it every position far more exciting. Yes. I think that's enough for Alpine. Yeah. We well sh- done. So let's jump from the Alpine manufacturer to Ferrari. But I also want to start with another team that had a very successful weekend, which is the Alfa Romeos. I mean, compared to previous weekends, they've done really well. Both cars finished and both cars finished in the points. Yeah. And I guess when you're a midfield team, especially Alfa Romeo that's coming from a the back of the grid. Yep. That's, you can't ask for anything more. You have Valtteri Bottas, who's clearly a superstar of a race driver, was really limited in his potential at Mercedes. He's directing the team currently. Every week, he's doing pretty well. There's been a few where they were like, yeah, you know, we weren't super stoked on our speed or we didn't really love the results we got, but it was always because they knew that they were capable of more. And this weekend shows you what they're really capable of. Yep. Solid, solid finishing potential. Definitely. A massive, massive mark of confidence for Joe. 
He doubled his points tally. He, do- <laughs> he doubled his points tally. He got. He came ninth, didn't he? Yeah, in the end, he came. Eighth. No, eighth. So in he, the got, end he got. He eighth. got four points. He like quadrupled his points. <laughs> but, and I don't. This isn't a call out for you, but Reese and I have been on very much in Joe's camp, saying that no, this kid's not a bad rookie, and it's a solid car. You can call me out all you want. I'm on the agreement that pay drivers need to fuck off. Unfortunately, Joe is a pay driver, so fuck off. It look, you can go with Stroll and Latifi. Look, if if I had to make a decision of pay drivers or no pay drivers as a blanket rule, my my decision will be no pay drivers. However, for a paid driver, this is my defense of him, he's bringing a lot of sponsorship money, but he's also very talented. More so than the others. Where's his world two world title? Where's his world? Uh, where's his F two wins? Not many, not many. However, Latifi his, got more than him, I believe. In wins, yes, but Latifi got more wins. Here's the thing: Joe didn't get many. But Joe was in there for how many years? Three or four. However, he was never outside the top four or five cars most weekends. Okay. Latifi's career was a lot more sporadic. He got a he got a handful of wins. But then he also had some very struggling weekends. Joe was like the gatekeeper of F1 for a couple of years because it was like, if you can beat him, you're going to win the championship. He competed against Mick and took it right towards the end. I'll get that. I get, yep. I'll pay that. Yeah, and that's what I mean. Like, yes, the obvious thing is we don't really want to see people being able to buy a seat. But here's the thing. If you're going to buy a seat, at least finish in the points and do well and not have a bad attitude. And this kid's great. When it comes to his attitude. His attitude post-race this week was a lot more sprightly than it was last week. Justify, justifiably yeah, he finished so. in the points. I'll give him that. I just don't see a future for him. I really don't. Probably not long-term. I, I, He's just seat-warming right now for Teo Forshaw. You have to agree with me there. Look, Teo definitely is on his way up into the sport. He's a Ferrari driver, and he will probably come through either Romeo or Haas. He's a Sauber driver. Oh, in that case, it's definitely Alfa Romeo. Exactly. And Alfa Romeo don't have the Ferrari seat anymore, you know what I mean? That's that's True, that's technically been signed away. Yeah, that's Haas now. Yeah, Haas well, has that case. Ferrari seat, which is where Mick is, which is... Oh, when we move into Haas, I'll talk about that. Yeah. I... it Look, it just was a really nice, I think, hand-on-the-shoulder moment that we got to see this kid do well. And that I don't, I don't think he's ever going to shake up the sport. In fact, I don't think he'll be here for more than two or three years. I don't see him surviving after this year. You reckon? I think if Teo is ready, is ready, they have to bring Teo up at the end of the year. I don't care how much money he's bringing to um Alfa Romeo. Joe just as good as he has, like the potential he has, he'd do a lot better in IndyCar. Probably the most likely course of action with that money to keep it is go, well, Teo's coming into the seat. You can sign on as reserve. To do a Kubica thing. But they, yeah. But they're getting the money from Morel and for having Kubica there. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. I, for one, hope that he continues to do relatively well this year. I don't want to see another car that's consistently fighting for last place. More importantly, Valtteri's doing Valtteri things. Oh, yeah. Did you notice that Lewis is on 77 points and Valtteri's on 44? <laughs> no, I didn't, but I like that. Yeah. Because that's, that's both, that's their opposite numbers. Yeah, it's the opposite numbers for the love childs. 
<laughs> you, because it's France Tost. No, no, he, that's he's Alpha Tauri. This would be Jean. Uh, no, it's Todd. T O D T. No, that's an FIA official now. It's Fred Frank. Vasseur. That's it, Fred Vasseur. And you're starting with an F. Yep, he'd be loving life at the moment. Oh, considering where he's come from to where they are now, he's over the moon. No matter what, going forward, this year's successful for Alpha Romeo. One hundred percent, one of it. If they didn't score another point this year, is successful for him. Very much so, and. The way that car's going, yes, it's not developing the way the Alpine is, but it's not getting worse. No, it's not. It is consistently improving. Both drivers are very, very positive about how the car's performing. Yep. And they've got a clear direction. So I think it's up and up from them. I, I agree. Do you want to talk about Haas? I do. It's a rough weekend. It's, honestly, they cannot catch a break. Can they, they looked like rock stars after qualifying. And, and they uh, were. They it were. wasn't a fluke. Like, this is what the car's capable of. I know. And then Mick had the technical issue. And then the fucking Lewis and Magnussen hitting each other and breaking Magnussen's wing. And not breaking it properly. Just damaging Enough. one of the end plates for them to get flagged in. It was also Ocon's fault because he got on the radio and complained about it. Oh, fuck you, Ocon. But they fed him the line. Like, yeah, they, they did. did feed him the line and be like, do you think it's dangerous? And he's like, oh, yeah, 100%. It's going to kill someone. It wasn't dangerous. No, and the worst part was with all the VSCs, it just put K-Mag's strategy completely out of whack. He couldn't recover from it. No, it's the same with a lot of those drivers lower than 15th. Once they were in those positions, that was it. They couldn't, they couldn't make a move because either they didn't have enough tyres or it would just be ridiculous to lose all those seconds again yep. and pull the gap back. But let's talk about Mick and then we'll talk about K-Mag a bit more because yep. Mick was going to get points this weekend. I don't know if he was going to get points, but he would have been fighting for something. I reckon he would have not stayed where he was, but dropped back to about 10th and probably would have been able to hold there. Yeah, well, Lance Stroll would have been charging down his neck. So, yeah, he could easily hold A Lance. 100%. I'm worried about Mick. I read some pretty not nice things about him this week. There's a lot of people criticizing him and talking about how Ferrari needs to make a decision because, like, Ferrari runs one of the seats at Haas. So it's it's basically swapped from Alfa Romeo to Haas. That. Pretty much. And Mick's holding it, but Mick's not performing as well as Magnussen. And there's even rumours that Mick might lose that seat to Antonio Giovinazzi. It would be interesting. I just I don't see that being a positive move for Haas. It, I don't think you could call it a negative either, results-wise, because... As much I loved Antonio Giovinazzi, I thought he was a great dude, but his performance when he was at Alpha is similar to Mix at Haas's, is that he has no luck, and that's really the first thing that yeah. you need to talk about with Mick, is that he's had no luck. Anytime something can go wrong, it goes wrong for him, and it goes wrong very wrong. He's had a couple of crashes this year, but every single time it's destroyed the car completely. Yeah. That's bad luck. Crashing the car is a skill thing, and all drivers crash the car eventually. Yep. Crashing the car and having it completely totaled is a good helping of bad luck. Because you see cars hit the wall like we saw in qualifying this week. Two cars hit the wall. 
Sergio had his wing snapped off. Yeah. But who was the other fellow who went nose in? Albon. <laughs> Albon pulled the car out and kept driving it. Yep. It was absolutely fine. Mm-hmm. So there's a, there's bad luck there with that too. Antonio Giovinazzi was the same. Do you remember towards the end of last year, he got the car into three or four very good qualifying positions and then he got clipped and then his wing fell off and then he hit the wall on every occasion. I remember and I that was, happening at Monza. And I was devastated because it's like, man, he's had his opportunities and he's run out of luck with those opportunities. It's, it's over for him now. Yeah. Because you need luck. So Mick doesn't have much luck at all. I mean, the swap could have its benefits. I feel like at this stage... But also not enough. Not enough to have that discussion of moving Mick on for someone else who I would say is the same calibre. If you're going to move Mick on, it's to bring up another, like a Robert Schwartzman or a Callum Eilert was a Ferrari driver. Yeah, those two or, are the two big contenders. Well, just a new, a new Ferrari driver. There's no point going back to... It doesn't make sense, does it? It doesn't make sense to go back to something that has not been good. Yeah. And like, this isn't a digger at, dig at either of the two drivers in no. question here, Giovinazzi or, or Mick, but that speculation isn't good for this kid. No. Who clearly needs a lot of support in his career at the moment to help him out. Yeah, he, to, just, he just needs a win. Like, and, and no, I'm not saying like a race win. I'm saying he just needs a win. He needs a weekend where he qualifies well, nothing happens in the race, and he snags a couple of points. That's just, what, that's just one what point. he needs. He, he just needs, needs a, point. a point. Give him a point, and it'll grow. Yep, and it's not an effort thing. He clearly cares. He does. He's clearly working hard at it. Like, his qualifying shows that, yeah, he's got really good pace, and he knows what he's doing. Well, P6 this weekend, like, in the, in the wet. Yeah, huge. It's massive for Haas. And just... And what what did it end up being? It ended up being his car got stuck in gear or something. Yeah, his transmission must have ate itself. That's what it sounded like. Yeah. Which similar is just to Checo. Very similar to Checo. But it was just... It was heartbreaking to see because it was like... He's an engineer. Yeah, his engineer was heartbreaking for just him. Just like, I'm sorry, kid. You just kind of... That's it, man. Like, I'm yeah. sorry. You were on there. And he was on too. He's, he was... He, Probably would have been fighting for 10th by the end of yep. it. Yep, he lost a place or two off the start, but that's not uncommon in the start. And it's not uncommon in a horse. No, not at all. So, it was tragic for him. K-Mag, again, similar level. Fifth? Came together with Lewis. And it just, it clipped his wing. And I know Lewis has a little bit of a rep for punting people off. This one, pure racing incident. Yeah, this one was. This wasn't like it was Albon. No, and it this wasn't, wasn't like it was Max. It wasn't <laughs> like a, what? Who the, who are the other ones? I mean, it was. I think it was Albon twice. Albon twice, Max, Max twice, Max a couple of times too. But to be fair, Lewis and Max are pretty even on who's hit who now. What do you mean, Max is perfect? He's never hit out Lewis. No, no, he has hit Lewis. But what I'm saying is the penalties got for that were bullshit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it was just. I would hate to be Gunter Steiner's. Stress doctor. I'd hate to be Gunter Steiner if R. Gene Haas gave him a call after this weekend. Yeah, just... I mean, how could you... What, there's there's no logical explanation for the run of luck they've had. The car is better. It is definitely better. It is a very good car this year. The only saving grace for Mick is he has the title... He basically has the title sponsor for him. 
pretty much. One in one's their mo- their highest sponsor. It's pretty much the only thing on the car these days. Yeah, you see a big red horse and one in one. Yep. That's the justification of the blue on leaving the blue on the ratio. <laughs> <laughs> it yeah, I because we everyone wants to see Haas do well because they've never had the success that they've worked for that every single other team has had to this point. Yeah. They went through that really rough run with Rich Energy that gutted the team's finances. Yeah. The whole jumping in bed with the Russians, which again gutted their finances. They're really good at picking title sponsors. Imagine next year they get Ivan's Intercontinental Ballistic Missiles. Either that or they get, I don't know. Hopefully, and it just blows my mind how America... Pyongyang Media. (laughs) Pyongyang Media past (laughs) F1 team. There you go. Oh, no. (laughs) I, I just feel for them so much because... Gunter is is one of the best personalities in the sport. Mick's a good kid. K-Mag's on a redemption arc at the moment. Yeah. And it's not working. And it's not their fault either. I know. It's just luck. Let's let's leave Haas. Ferrari. They were hampered a little bit with Charles this weekend. Another run of luck. Because in the practice sessions... They put in the new internal combustion engine. But they, they had to. Yes. They didn't change one component. They were like, we're using the old turbo. We don't know if we're going to change it or not. We think it'd be fine. And then what happened to it? It blew it, up. It blew up. Just the turbo <laughs> this time, though. So basically, Charles has had to cop a, like, a 60-place grid penalty because he's had to change his whole engine. Control electronics, MGUK, MGUH, ICE, turbo... It's ten, pla- 10 places each, isn't it? Something like that. And basically, what, what it amounted to was Charles probably should have sat in the pit lane for the first lap. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was unfortunate for Charles again. But again, if you're going to have something blow up, let it blow up in practice, right? Oh, definitely. I'm sure he would have gone, you know what? I don't care. It's not in the race. He did an incredible drive. He started 19th. Damage limitations. No, he started 20th. Didn't Yuki, Yuki was not no. Yuki, Yuki was, was 19th? 19th. Okay, so he did start 20th, and he ended up in fifth. Yes, because Yuki had less uh, grid pa- places than he did. Yeah, cumulative. Just awesome drive. Genuinely awesome. If anyone can go from 20th to push up into the point scoring position, I was going to be Charles. Yeah, definitely Charles, and we've seen Lewis do it, and we've seen Max do it as well. Damage limitations. However, I'd say Lewis and Max's damage limitation drives were just a significantly little bit better because they pushed a second. They were better. They were also in better cars and all the other cars were a lot worse in those years. What do you mean those years? It was literally 24, like last year. Yep. Literally last year. Yep. The gap from Mercedes and Red Bull last year to the rest was larger last year than it is this year. Yeah, I'll agree. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not, I'm not saying what they didn't do was incredible because it was. They went from last to second. Yep. However... Those cars last year, those two vehicles, were some of the best F1 cars that have ever existed. The only one better was the W11 the year before yep. for Mercedes. Or the F2004, which yep. not even Ferrari knew how they built that thing. They put bolts together. <laughs> I think they did they a, sacri- a, they <laughs> sacrifice a something. In it. They sacrificed the goat to Michael. It's all good. And it worked. Incredible drive by Charles. Just, it's... 
it's what you love seeing in this sport is the person go balls to the walls for every single lap and just push. You know what it remind me of? His 2019 Monaco, except he didn't crash. Pretty much, yeah. Putting on moves absolutely everywhere, right on the limit. Yep. Flawless, too. Just, it it's really showing the young driver that he's turning into. Yeah, I'll, yeah, I agree. It's a good. He's doing good. Yeah, yeah, quite good. And yes, Max did extend his lead. He's always gonna. But that's a good thing, right? Like yeah. I, don't, <laughs> I don't see no problem. Well, according to you, Max is gonna win no matter what, so it doesn't matter. I think he will. At this rate, yeah. I think he will. Carlos, good drive. I feel bad for him. He oh. prefer, he probably deserved a bit of a closer run on the last lap to at least challenge Max. He did. He did make one error, though. So it was in one of the chicanes. He ended up having to counter-steer a little bit, and that allowed Max to jump that extra two tenths out in front that just sealed the deal on the yep. last lap. I understand that. I just I think... Overall, the story of the race would have been better if he hadn't made that mistake. We go to the final hairpin. We see them both in the slipstream trying to protect it the position. Was. And when you look at the data too, the Ferrari was the quickest car around this track, mm-hmm. pace-wise. But that clean air advantage. Oh, always. You need to be at least half a second quicker than Max to even attempt to get past him. And clean air. I think... The, the number that a lot of people are running is that he was three tenths quicker than Max. That's just, what I was he was yeah, just, just not quick enough to get that strike done. If that was anyone else, Carlos had his first win. And I ho- I did say I think he's on for his first win here last week. He and got I'm, fucking close. I, he got very close. I don't think in any way, shape or form. I know he was a little bit disappointed when he hopped out of his car. First of all, a massive shout out to his team being like, man, that was incredible. We love you. Like, they yeah. were really supportive of him. Mattia came on the radio and said lovely things about him. Everyone, the, the Ferrari I, was like, man, that's awesome. I well didn't done. understand a fucking word Mattia said. I don't know all of it. I do know he said he was very proud. All I heard was uh, spaghetti, spaghetti, ravioli, ragu, spaghetti. <laughs> uh, Mamma mia. <laughs> that's a spicy meat. Well, here, where I think the difference is between the the drivers who are world championship material and those who aren't, and I think this race showed it very, very close, like it made it more evident than it's been in weeks, is that killer instinct of, I am willing to hit you because I am coming through. Do you know what I mean? Like... It's sort of the mentality of the world with champions in a way. A little bit. Because... If you're dumb enough, if you've got that killer instinct and you're pushing the car to the limit, there's a good chance you hit the wall of champions. Yes. Or we've seen Max hit people going, I know there's not a massive space, but there's my nose in it. I'm just going to put my nose where it doesn't belong. We've seen Lewis do it. Yep. We've seen Lewis do it. Literally going... Silverstone. (laughs) Of... Well, technically there's a space, but you could argue there's not, but I don't care about that. I'm going through here. Oh, your wheel has hit my wheel, and oh, you're in the wall. I attempted to kill you. That wasn't my fault. <laughs> yeah, but Max did it. Lewis has done it. Fernando does it. He will do things that shouldn't technically be done. Seb does Seb it. Seb definitely does it. 
and I think that's the that's the difference there between these teams that have an A driver and a second driver, or a first and a second driver, is that instinct of going, I'm going to do whatever it takes. Because there was one or two positions where Carlos could have, and dangerously so, gone, I'm sticking my nose in there. And he didn't. He was waiting for the safe opportunity to pass and win the race. I'm not saying he should have. I'm glad it ended the way he did because it's not in his nature to do it. But that's that, in my mind, is that defining factor of why well, do lot. some people go on to win championships and why do some people go on to have very successful careers, but they're missing that one thing. And I think it is that absolute aggressiveness that abandon all caution and do something stupid because sometimes stupid works and sometimes it doesn't. Well, I always say keep it simple, stupid. <laughs> yeah. So I still think Carlos performed incredibly well. It shows why he is in a top team doing top team things. I think his disappointment at the end, though, showed the sort of driver Carlos truly is. I think he wants to have that killer instinct. He does. But he, he Every driver want... thinks they have it and wants to have it. Yeah, but I think at the end of the day, if he if he had that killer instinct, like you said... He would have stuck his nose in the middle of no man's land band like, well, this is my position now. Yep. Hippity hoppity, your position is now my proprietary or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Something stupid like that. But he didn't do that. And if he had done that, sure, it might have ended horribly for him. Or but it also could have ended in glory. Won a race. Because the only difference between bravery and stupidity is bravery works and stupidity didn't. Yeah, it's a very fine line between very, it. F- very fine line. And I think that's what Carlo showed. And that's why Max was like, man, you got close a few times. I saw you pushing. I saw you. Because th- Max was even in the cool down room there. He's like, yeah, I saw you thinking about it. And the difference was the other drivers don't think about it. They yep. just go for it. They see. Well, I mean, if you're going for a gap. If you're a race driver and not going for a gap, are you really a race yeah, driver? Yeah, there's that very famous quote. Was that? That was Anton. Anton, who said, if you're a race driver and you go for a gap that's that exists. exists, or you don't go for a gap that exists, you're no longer a racing that's driver. Carlos Steele is a very competent racing driver, but it also shows while Charles, why Charles is the first driver in that team. Because he sees red and he does things that you shouldn't do. Yeah. Let's leave Ferrari there, though. Very successful weekend, still. Yeah, they, they both finished. Both finished. You both know what, compared points. to last weekend, both finishing's a win. Yeah, and a successful win too. Exactly. Not the ideal, but good. I'll, I'll give it a pass. Good pass. Good pass? Good pass. Shall we talk about the Mercedes? Let's start with Williams before you forget. You want to start with Williams? I want to start with Williams. Can we start with Albon, who did... You know, okay considering the issues he had. Albon did pretty well. I really like Albon. I've liked him since his Toro Rosso days. I liked him all the way through the Red Bull thing, and I'm very glad he's got the opportunity to come back into the sport. Yep. I made think an issue in qualifying. He put it into the wall, but didn't damage the car. And he got it to Q- uh, P12. Yeah. He, he was on for a good... Good showing, except the VFC sort of screwed him a little bit. It it definitely did. Albon is limited more by anything else than the Williams this year. That's yep. really what is stopping him from getting points. I think if you put him in the AlphaTauri, he'd probably be beating Sonoda and Pierre. Well, I mean, Sonoda didn't finish, so it's easy to beat him. <laughs> 
He's just doing exactly what that team wants in every every situation. He's basically leading that team when oh, no this was meant to be. No doubt. He's the one who's getting results. He's the one who's providing the feedback. And when the opportunity arises, he's converting the opportunities. Yeah. There's, there's nothing more you could really ask for. I think it would be unfair to expect regular points from that Williams outfit at the moment. No, it's, it's really unfair to even consider that. But I think Williams' problems stem more from one driver, but also the team as a whole. I don't think it's fair to blame the drivers solely for their performance anymore. No, well, you can't this week with Albon in particular. Like, I don't know if you picked up, but basically Albon, he pitted early, got stuck behind Norris, and he had like, I can't remember what the issue was, but he had a slight issue, but that was his pace. There was no there was no pace in that car this weekend, unfortunately. Yep, and that's the thing. He drove that car as good as that car is. Yeah, and he got a you know thirteenth. Thirteenth. He came thirteenth, forty four seconds off. Yep. You know, that's really a good result. That is a good the, result. Considering the other car came last. And considering the the three car the three cars that didn't classify, probably would have been ahead of him, so he finished sixteenth, realistically. If we think Which logically. is the best of the backfield. Yeah. However Latifi. Did you notice that before the safety car towards the end of the race, he was last fifty seconds off the pay- pack. Yeah, and they haven't come out with any issues going on with the car. I I can tell you what the issue with that car is. The driver. It's the fucking driver. He's fucking hopeless. Sack him. I think that... He's paid the money. I don't care. Fucking sack him. <laughs> He's hopeless. That that result's inevitable now. I don't think there's any person in the paddock who isn't aware that there are going to be changes made at Williams. Yeah. Congratulations, Nicholas Latifi. You just raced your one and only Canadian Grand Prix. Yeah. And you failed miserably in it. Look, he did. It wasn't It wasn't an acceptable standard of driving for one for one's home GP. It wasn't an acceptable drive... That was Nikita Mazepin driving. Yeah, it it's just either the only reason he beat someone was because Magnussen had a shocker. Yeah, that's the only reason someone came behind him. Yep, and Magnussen ended up getting him, didn't he? No, he didn't. No, Magnussen was a bit further behind. He was close. So yeah, Latifi finished fifty nine seconds off the pace, and Magnussen was sixty eight. And Magnussen had issues. Yeah, had. Had yep. a black and orange flag thrown at him. Yeah, like, you can't call him beating Magnussen a win. It's not a win. No, not, not, and I'm not saying it's a win. It's just, this, it's kind of a write-off now. We just... That car's just not, he's going to finish 21st in this championship. There is a point where you have to say, all right, it's time to go. And that's that's coming either mid-season break or the it's end of the year. It's now. Do it now if you want to salvage this season. I if don't you think, think there's any way, if there's any way to salvage the season, you cut him today. Look, you say thank you. We're keeping your money. Please leave. You could be the reserve driver for all we care, but you're not coming back. Yeah, look, I d- I don't think they're going to do it. I don't think they are either. I think they're being pussies about it. But I think at the end of the day, you need to just bite the bullet now. Oh well, we as we discussed earlier, we know the bullet's already been bit. Is he, like, he's not there next year. No, we know that. It, it's just a matter of when he exits the team. Now, I guess the decision Williams would be coming to currently is 
is this the car we want to give someone brand new into the sport? Probably not. No, but they could probably develop it a little bit better than he can. I don't think so. Like I, th- I think so. Because I also don't know how much he's involved in the development of this car anymore. Can we just go back to a few weeks ago when Nick DeVries stepped into that car and what they said about what Nick was saying? Go for it. What did they say? They said he was giving better feedback than both Albon and Latifi. And that's what I mean. Like, okay, if Latifi's not giving you good feedback and your car is consistently last by over 20 to 30 seconds off the, the back of the pack. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do know what you mean. I'm just saying that I don't think he's super well. Remember when Valtteri knew he wasn't going to be at Mercedes and they, Alfa Romeo was like, what do you know about the new car? He's like, they stopped asking me, talking to me about it about three months ago. I know. I I genuinely think that everyone in that Williams camp is aware and that Latifi's aware. And that's also probably why we're seeing some of those performances because they go, look, man, this is, this is your last year. You haven't built this car one bit. We're kind of just going to throw all our resources behind Albon and what he wants in the vehicle, knowing full well that it means we're leaving you out to dry. But that's kind of, that's where we're at now. That's genuinely what I see happening at the moment. I see that too. But if I'm Nicholas, like if you think that, no, I don't want to leave F1. And this is hypothetical because there's no chance in hell any other team has signed him. Wouldn't you want to be putting good performances in to try and convince another team to sign you? Maybe. Like realistically. Maybe, it- but also, Nicholas, because this is, again, about his driving, not about him as a person. We can't say enough good things about him as a person. No, he's the best Canadian on the he's group. A, he's a great dude. I think we can say that he's self-aware enough to know that this career is coming to an end. I don't think he's sitting there going, well, you know what? You guys are treating me poorly. I'm going to race my ass off and get signed somewhere else. If someone like Piastri is struggling to get in the sport and Nick DeVries is struggling to get into the sport, who you've already been compared to in public as not coming close to, yeah, I think he's self-aware enough to go, you know what? I'm just going to really enjoy these drives while I can. Yeah, true. And look, if there was any any doubt left in it, this was the weekend that kind of put it to bed. Yeah. that That's where he's at. He's gone. Yeah, let's let's move on before I get myself in trouble. <laughs> Who do you want to talk about next? Do we want to talk about the Astons? Let's let's move on to the next shit team. The Astons. Yeah. I want to start with these boys. Lance Stroll's had a, a grandstand built for him at the at the track. There is a Lance Stroll grandstand. Why? I don't know. He's Latifi deserves it. More. I know we just shat on Latifi for five minutes or so, but he deserves his name on a grandstand more than Lance Stroll. Lance Stroll is a monkey's foot. Yeah, he's no good. He's horrible. He did have an okay race, though. No, he did Weirdly didn't. enough. Look, it was a better weekend, but again. Seb did better. He Seb- might not have finished better, but Seb did better overall. Yep. Seb was P3 and FP3, and he just coming into... Bad luck in qualifying, he essentially. Just, he had no grip in qualifying. There was yeah. no chance for him. I don't know what happened between free practice three and qualifying, but even Seb didn't know what happened. Yeah. He went from having sick grip to no grip. No grip. And he even came on the radio being like, this car feels completely different than it did earlier today. Exactly. And I mean, from that moment on, he was struggling. He absolutely did, especially when wet races... And it is normally wet races where Stroll will perform better than his average, which is not normally good, but he will perform better than it. 
This weekend, yeah, he, look, he snagged a point. But, but even in the post-race, he wasn't happy with it. No, and when you know that this Aston Martin is capable of pushing sixth and fifth on good days... Well, with Seb behind the wheel, it could be. Well, that's what I mean. Like, that's what the car's capable of, right? Yep. He's not really showing a huge amount of development. This is a guy who's been on the podium before. Seb's a world champion. Every single race, you can hear Seb pushing and eking out more and more and more, wanting more and more and more. Stroll, it was his best weekend of the year, but it just, it didn't, as I've always said about him, it just feels like he doesn't really care a huge amount. No, he doesn't. Are you checking if it was his actual best weekend? I'm pretty sure he tied best weekend. I think he's only got three points in the championship, so I'm gonna guess he's only scored t- in tenth the other two times. I'm pretty sure tenth or he snagged a ninth somewhere. Yeah, but either way, like, look, I don't have anything super negative to say about his performance this weekend. However, I have a lot of negative things to say about him as a person. Yes. <laughs> however, <laughs> however, when you look at the whole season. He hasn't shown anything. It's actually one of his worst seasons ever. Yeah, he, he continued. I, I looked at this. So, in Bahrain, he was out-qualified by Nico, Nico Hulkenberg, who was standing in for Sebastian Vettel. In Saudi Arabia, he had a completely avoidable crash with Alexander Albon. In Australia, he hit the wall and then had a needlessly avoidable crash with Nicholas Latifi in qualifying. Yep. Miami... I don't remember what he did in Miami. I know in Monaco he hit the wall and had a needlessly avoidable accident. Yeah. It's and just Azerbaijani, he hit the wall on a warm-up lap but didn't fuck the car. And then turn two on his next push lap, he fucked the car. Yeah. He's bleeding money from that team. Yes, this was a better performance. But it doesn't outweigh the rest of the season. So... In short, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> there's a, there's only really two things that can go on from here. Either he builds and grows, which I'd say is doubtful, or he slips back into what he was currently doing, which is wrecking the car and getting in people's way. So, funnily enough, Uncle Johnny Herbert... Can't stand that man. Well, you know what? You might be able to stand him after this. He wrote an article during this week basically calling out Lawrence to be like, you need to have a hard talk with your son. It's embarrassing having him yeah, in the Yeah, but he probably ended by saying, then why don't you hire me? Because I still think I'm the no, best. No, he didn't. I he, don't like Johnny Herbert. I don't either, <laughs> but you know what? I read that article. I'm like, it took balls to write this article, mate. I, you know I can what? respect that. I'll give that a fair enough. Because that's but fair he, enough. He took the balls to actually say something. Not a lot of people have the balls to say and criticize Lawrence Stroll's son. Yeah. I think he, I think that we won't see Laura, uh, Lance in the sport much longer. No, I, I think it's coming to the time where it's like, well, if we really want Aston Martin to be an Aston Martin F1 team, there's only really one big change you can make. You've got a relatively solid team. I'd say relatively. Yeah. Your car development, while it might be controversial, is effective. Yep. <laughs> Stealing cars off the winning car is a fantastic idea. And the way they've done it this year is allowed. I, I actually went back and looked at their 
their story of how this happened. They've got a bunch of Red Bull designers who transferred to them. No, so no, they have. I know, I know. I, I what I'm saying is the specific story behind the AMR twenty two B. Okay, go on. So tinfoil or no tinfoil? No, this is apparently from Aston. Okay. What happened was during the pre-development stage last year, Aston had two ways to design a car. Yep. They had the way they brought at like the brick. Yeah, the brick and the the green ball. Yep. Anyway, so it's come to crunch time and they need to make a decision. They decided to use the brick idea. Yeah. Yeah. They've decided to develop that. Now they've developed it and then they've turned up at Barcelona for the shakedown. Yeah. Uh-huh. And they've seen what Red Bull's done and they've gone, that was our design. Let's go back to that. No. They gave it a chance with the brick and the brick proved to be a brick. So then they... Then they decided to move to the AMR22B, which was the Red Bull. So that is the official story from Aston Martin. Not shocking. I think Aston will eventually need to sit down and have that decision of going, well, Seb's not going to be around forever. And Lance is in no position to lead a team whatsoever. No. So, I mean, the biggest thing coming up for them currently is which young driver do they get in there to learn from Seb to then move forward? Or Piastri? No. No. Danny? Yeah. You get Danny to trigger that release clause at McLaren and bring him over to partner with Seb. Reunite the 2014 Red Bull team. It would be a great idea. Just give them a chance and see what these two, because then plan for the future beyond Seb in a way. So have your reserve driver be this young upstart and have him learn off both Danny and Seb. I can't think of two better people to learn off than Seb and Danny in a team. Not at all. They're two of the best. Exactly. And I think with those two at the helm, that car would be fantastic by the end of the season. Because you can't say that Aston is a team that doesn't give a shit about designing a car. No, they do give a shit. Because they, they, they're constantly working on that car. Whether that's through controversial or non-controversial means, we're standing. But here's the thing. They clearly want to win badly enough that they're willing to do things that get fingers pointed at them. Yep. Their biggest limiting factor at the moment now is their paid driver. Not even a paid driver. The owner's son is the issue. I'm sick of him being (laughs) called a paid driver. He's not a paid driver. His dad owns the fucking team. Yeah, no, that's a very good point. The the, the owner's son is the issue. Is there anything more we want to say about Aston apart from get rid of Lance Stroll? No, fire Stroll's about all that sums up Aston. (laughs) And that should just sum up Green Bull for the rest of the year. It's just fire Lance. Let's talk about the McLarens. What an abysmal weekend. I'm not going to say it was all negatives. No, because Danny got Q3. Danny got Q3. But for Lando in particular, he had his engine... For some reason, it just wasn't working, so they've had to go back to an older engine. I mean, they say it wasn't working. I think we can all come to the point and admit that Lando's just not a good driver, which I've been saying all along. I told y'all. I just want to point out you pick Lando in your... Tips last week. You had my tips are your tips. 
<laughs> yeah, motherfucker. My tips or the tips you told everybody I made? The tips I told everyone you made. Because yeah, I thought that was that. really funny. Fuck that. I Look, mask off time. Get rid of Lando. <laughs> no. <laughs> Lando has every right to be in the sport. Latifi to me. No, he absolutely does. Lando's a good driver. Lando's fantastic. He's always been a good driver. And he was hampered by an older engine compared to everyone yeah, else this they weekend. Had, they had to put in one that had already been fairly worn. And I, what did they say? Like Two tenths. Two tenths. Yeah. Two tenths a lap. That engine was below par. What they, what they wanted from it. I don't think two tenths would have been enough to turn it into a good weekend for McLaren. Well, as Lando said when he was stuck behind Albon, I can get past him, but this is my pace. So if you're stuck behind a Williams and that's your pace, you're not getting very far up the grid. Yeah, it was just it's a bit of a ride off of McLaren. Good for Danny. He outperformed Lando in every category, which has managed to make quite a few people online shut up. And good. that's a good and that that's the good thing there. For when it comes to McLaren, it definitely looks like they're like, Oh well, hold on. We might need to uh work with our other driver a little bit. Maybe just a little bit. And uh Give, give that man a car that he can kind of work in. And what we're seeing now is that Danny's doing what we wanted from him, which is outperforming Lando. Yeah, but you've got to also consider, too, Danny was dealing with a brake issue all weekend as well. He's he been dealing with a brake issue yeah, since he's left it, Red Bull. Yeah, but this, <laughs> bra- this one was really hampering him. He felt if um the brake issue wasn't there, he probably could have been pushing up on Stroll and even further into the top oh, 10. Definitely could have been, but this weekend it was a lot diffi- a lot more difficult for him because our, the car. He, well, not just the car; like he couldn't do anything with it. He couldn't push forward. He even came on the race like I'm not competitive like this. Like I need can I push forward? They're like, no, you need to manage it. You're doing well managing it. And when you're getting that feedback back, there's not much more you can do. There's not really much more you can do. It was unfortunate. This this is the this is the worst part about Danny and McLaren and Lando this year is it's it's another forgettable weekend for McLaren. And Where that's the big issue is it's the fourth forgettable weekend for McLaren this year. Now that's grand scheme of things. If it's twenty a twenty two round it's twenty two round season, by the way. There's another one that you fucked up last week. You said it was a twenty four. It originally was a twenty three, but it was twenty two. Right, whatever. Anyway. But at the end of the 22-round season, if you've only had four forgettable weekends, you know what? That's fine. But the fact that we're at round eight and half of them have been forgettable. Not not feeling great. No, not at all. Not not feeling great. It's just we don't really need to cover all ground, but they've got a significant portion of work to do to get back to where they were last year. Yeah, agreed. They've we- taken a step back. And we thought they were going to be a sleeper this year. We did a little bit. We thought their basic car design was going to work, and it turns out it didn't. Yeah, but it's also not atrocious. It's not. But it's it's not a strength of theirs anymore. No. Mercedes themselves. Rip a weekend. Just, first of all, a massive shout-out to Lewis. Hmm. He drove incredibly well. You know what it was that got it? It was all those nice plans and Senna's Sega game. <laughs> Did you hear Max give him shit for it in the press conference? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Any porpoising in the game, mate? No, extra <laughs> no, slow. No, no. My back doesn't hurt in the game either. Look, 
when we said that it's only a matter of time for Mercedes to get back there, the time's now. I don't think it's now. I think it's nearer. It's it's definitely closer. They are the third best team. Oh, at yeah, the start of the they year, they were the third best team at the start of the year no, too. They weren't. No, let me finish some sentence before you fucking butt in. No. <laughs> they were the third best team at the start of the year. They just had porpoising issues, which caused them to not be as competitive. That's what I'm saying. Right. I'm saying that they weren't the best because of their porpoising issues. But is look, it's two sides of the same coin. Yeah. They're definitely, definitely looking like the team we used to know, starting to. They're still not challenging for wins yet, but not I don't. yet. But they're not far off. I reckon Silverstone's going to be not not a winning potential, but it's going to no, be. No, they're going to be. It's going to be similar to fourth this. to sixth again. I think it's going to be a similar situation to this week. Yep. And then when we come back from the mid-season break, it wouldn't shock me if they win Spa. No, me neither. Because they we've always been wouldn't. going like it, it's looming, it's looming, and a few weeks off. And we know they've got some things in the wings ready to go. Yeah. Like, we know they've got stuff getting developed currently that's going to take them to the next level. They were more on top of their porpoising this weekend. Yeah, Lewis didn't have a sore back. Nope. Uh, George was exactly what George is. Just driving well. I thought you were going to say an absolute sook. No, you didn't hear much from George this weekend, to be honest. Or or Lewis, it was weirdly like start of the start of the weekend. Lewis was in down the dumps a little bit, but I also don't yep. blame him. The poor man could barely move. Looking Worst down the barrel, car. looking down the barrel of another poor weekend. To Mercedes going, all right, we're going to do this to the setup. We're going to change it in these three ways, and what? then suddenly, bang bang. Do you know what they did? Raise the ride height. No. What they do? They made Lewis drive George's setup. You reckon? No, they said that's what they said. Fair enough. They changed it so that it was George's setup rather than Lewis's setup. They did have a different rear wing on the two Mercedes this weekend. I noticed that. Yeah, so George drives with a little bit more front downforce. Yep. So that it sticks to the corner more. A little bit like our Max drives, you know what I mean? Like he wants it to point in and A little bit out. more, yeah, front end heavy. Lewis tried to do Lewis way in free practice. And Which I mean, is super smooth and balanced. And look what happened. P13 and, yeah, and fucking free practice too. They swapped it to George's setup. All of a sudden, he's third in qualifying. He's just third in the race. So it wouldn't shock me if Silverstone. So more of a George setup again. Oh, absolutely not. It would be like if that's what's working for the team, that's what they'll do. Yep. Lewis is pragmatic when it comes to how he races. He will do things that need to be done despite whether he loves them or not. He's willing to do them. Yeah, he's willing to kill drivers to get, <laughs> get ahead. Uh, so, it was also, I tell you what, it was quite refreshing to have him back on the podium. His post-race interview, again, just shows, one, how loved he is by the fans, and rightfully so. The first thing he did was address them. Oh, he always does. But that was also nice to see. We haven't seen that in a little while. Well, he hasn't been on the podium for exactly. a little while. <laughs> I Look, I'm not a massive Mercedes fan, but I'm also not a Mercedes hater. You might be a bit more on the hate train than I am. I like hating things. You do. I like loving things. And for me, it was just a, it was nice to see Lewis back there competing. The cool down room was a great cool down room. Oh, it always is. Having having the three of those drivers in there was fantastic. If you're a Mercedes fan, 
you're starting to get excited again. When does Dave swap back to from being a Ferrari fan to a Merck fan? Look, I don't want to talk too much crap about Dave, but I think we can guarantee when Lewis or George is back on the top step, he he'll, will come he'll in up painted in silver. Yeah, he'll show up. He'll show up again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he'll be like, I told y'all. <laughs> so, good, stu- good stuff, Mercedes. Yeah. Now, if you could just drop back to being shit again, <laughs> that make the sport more interesting. Just don't win all of them again. Yeah. Just be just like, like this. Yeah. This maybe with another two-tenths would be perfect. Nah, two-tenths backwards. That's what I said. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's, let's leave the Mercedes power units there. Let's jump into the Red Bull power units. Okay. Alpha Tauri. What a forgettable weekend. And... More so for Pierre than Yuki, even though Yuki made a really bad error. They did say that he hit a little bump in the pit lane that caused him, but I don't think that's a reason. I think he was over-revving that car, trying to get a jump on the car next to him. Absolutely he was. And he just got a little hot-headed because he's five foot nothing. And then crashed it. Yep. Because guess what? Well, if there's a little bump there, you've hit that bump Every single time you've come out of that pit lane, the whole weekend. Exactly. A bump didn't mysteriously appear. And also, these cars are heaps fucking bumpy. <laughs> yeah. It was just... It was... It, it was, was a, a completely rook- unavoid, uh, a completely avoidable accident. Not caused by Nicholas Latifi or Lance Stroll. Yeah, it was... It, it was. That's what you expect out of those two. That, that that crash was what you expect out of those two. Yeah. If that, if they'd have cut to that and it was a Williams or an Aston, I'd be like, oh, for fuck's sake, not again. But when it was an Alpha Terra, I'm like, are you serious? Yeah, that's a bit interesting. So, in regards to Yuki, he was looking really good this weekend. He was. He qualified okay. No, he didn't. Oh no, he didn't because he took a penalty. Yeah, and he qualified last in qualification. Yeah, but that's also because he didn't run every quali. <laughs> no, he ran one lap. Yeah, he just did. did a lap, but so did Charles. Like, you can do a lap. Yeah, I don't think Charles got booking. through to Q2. Yeah, but he's in a Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> Look. That didn't stop Seb going out in Q1 last year. Yeah, true. Or two years ago. True, <laughs> true. Look, I don't... Yuki this year's been okay, though. You know what I mean? Like, it was an uncharacteristic Yuki mistake. You know what? From this year. I think... I know you're saying he doesn't make many mistakes, but he hasn't been putting in the performances. I think he leaves at the end of the season. Oh, too. me too. Absolutely. There's no word in my mo- no doubt in my mind that this is his last year in the sport. He can go race Super Formula in Japan. Yeah, he'll. He's not. He's not untalented, and he's not super slow. He just doesn't give a fuck. Yeah, he does seem a little bit disengaged, but it was just it was a stupid mistake that cost them an okay finish. Yep. Especially with Pierre being so far down. and just Pierre no was also nursing an issue all week. Yeah. So I think they said early on in the race, they were asking him to coast at the end of a lot of the straights on the, yep. on the, on the track. So I don't know exactly what it was in Pierre's car that wasn't working well. We can guess it's something to do with either heating or cooling of a component because they were asking him to slow down. Which means it was just that sucked for him because Pierre is one of my favorite drivers. He is my favorite driver, and 
second favorite. Sorry, Danny Rick. Yeah, but you know he's in he's in our collection of the guys we really want to see do well. Yes, and I also really like saying his name. Yeah, Gasly. See that re- emerge at Baku. Yep, in Danny the fucking got, Coke da- bottle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Danny Rick got him again. <laughs> You're getting good at that. Yeah. <laughs> And I like how Danny's literally only does it to him. Like he'll just go and find his interview. The best, the best Danny Pierre interview also involved Carlos and a few others. Of course. Of, they're all doing an interview, and then Danny takes the mic and starts singing. But then for some reason, his interviews on the PA system at the track as well. Fantastic. So all the drivers are standing there being like, "Yeah, you know, looking forward to this." And you can just hear Danny Rick in a beautifully flattened out of pitch voice singing. In I think he was singing something in Italian. And all the other drivers that look over their shoulders and been like, I just, I, I can't focus. I'm sorry. I don't even know what's happening. And Danny's just <laughs> standing there with a hand in the air, just singing to, him, like, to the crowd. And the crowd's just like, this is the best thing we've ever seen. Oh, of course. <laughs> so, you know, the, the Afataris who you picked and I agreed with you on is probably one of the biggest dark horses of the year isn't. No, it's shit. And it's, which is sad. Yep. Because it's such a good looking car too. I navy guess. in white. The matte navy in white looks schmick. Yeah. I still prefer the gloss from the Toro Rosso, though. No, the Toro Rosso was ugly. So I loved it. I loved the, the glossy paint with the silver bull on it. It was so good. Look, you can look at me like that all you want. You just got to understand that's a sick look. Look, it, I'm it like was no, very distinctive from the fucking Red Bull. I, so is this one. doesn't use any of the same colors. It doesn't even have a fucking bull on it. Yes, it does. Where? Oh, on the back. Yeah, yeah thank you. So here's I'll the cut that. I might not know anything about this sport, Andy. You might have all the facts, but you have no taste. I have great taste. No, you don't. Your taste is the same as someone with COVID, man. You can't taste a fucking thing. Fuck that Alpha Tauri is a good looking I've car. I've never said the Alpha Tauri sucked and doesn't look good. I've said that I prefer the Toro Rosso. Which I'm not even going to address that because it's so distasteful. <laughs> <laughs> Says the man sitting here in a poncho on trackies. I want to make it very clear <laughs> that for some reason before we started recording, I took my shirt off. And then the first thing I picked up was a poncho <laughs> that's bright green and my track pants are bright blue. Bright blue. I look you say like a, I have no taste. You look like a fucking hippie from Byron. Yeah. That's a good point. So the Williams. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, let's leave the Alpha Tauris where they are. In last. Yeah, not do, not doing good at all. At the moment. No. We really want them to do well. But also here's the thing. We don't see enough of them to know what's going wrong with the car either. And that's where a really frustrating thing about being an Alpha Tauri fan is we know they've got issues with the car, but we don't see enough of them to give us anything to talk about what's going on in the car. Hey, Crofty, if you're listening to this, start talking about them more. Maybe and, they'll show them. And if you're a TV director, just show us what's going on with the Afataris. The yeah. only time we see them now is if something goes wrong and they crash. Yeah. This is why we got to see Yuki a fair bit this weekend, but I don't even think I saw Pierre on the telly once. No. The only time I remember seeing Pierre for a significant amount of time this year was at Imola when they decided to follow 13th place Lewis Hamilton who was stuck behind 12th stuck, place. stuck behind Pierre 12. Gasly. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only time I remember seeing him all year. So what we're saying, Lewis, is if you could crash into a few of the Afataris for us to get them some screen time, that'd be dope. Or just stay behind them. like just Where you belong. Yeah. <laughs> Where, I'd like to point out, every vehicle belongs except for Daniel Ricciardo. Yeah. 
let's talk about the winners of the weekend. Well, we say winners. It's a they mi- won the race. But I don't think they they won this weekend. No, technically Mercedes won the weekend. Yeah. So let's start with Max because this this will be the easy part of it. Max did what a world champion does. Max did Max things. He put it on pole. He won the race. He won the race. He made no mistakes. His strategy was good. It was a nice Sunday drive for him. Yeah, it really was. Yes, he had to drive well to to fight off Carlos towards the end, but also that's what you expect from a world champion. Yeah, you do, you expect them on the worst of tires to come out better. Yeah, provided it's not that disparaging, which it wasn't. Was it like three or four laps, something like that? Because I remember Max came in, and then three or four laps later, Yuki put it in the fucking wall. Yep. So really, he did say that like. Yeah, I was going to catch him anyway, but this just turned out heaps better for us. Yeah, and he probably would have catch. He would. He was going to catch Carlos. Yep. Um, the car was quicker. Carlos was also making a couple of slight mistakes on certain areas of the track. Max did what Max does. Checo, however, unlucky, but also, I don't think this is a sign of anything going completely wrong. Joss Verstappen's already been like, this is what happens when he wins. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, Alex Jones. Oh, look, I, I felt bad for Checo because you never want to see a driver go out when it's not their fault. No. But I also don't think this is a significant reliability issue. Yes, it's another reliability issue. But they're not very common at Red Bull. They had the couple right at the start of the year. And now, now it's sort of plateaued out. And now it, you're still going to have them, though. You know what I mean? Of There's, course you're going to have them. A gearbox is going to eat itself eventually. A yep. transmission's not going to work. Yep. You you know gonna, I mean? You're going to have a hydraulic piston fail. Exactly. Like you, These cars aren't 100% reliable, and that's what makes this sport so great because you know that that mechanical failure can come into it and cause someone who's out 30 seconds in front to then be out of the race completely. And then the race is on. Oh, yeah, look, Checo was doing, again, exactly what Checo does, being a fantastic driver. Pushing his way through the field. Yep. He did have an off in qualifying. Which caused him to go out, what, 13th? 13th or 12th, something like that. He yeah, was, was around he was out there. Of the he was definitely not in Q3. Let's start. And he doesn't make many mistakes when he was driving. He went to the Inters. I want to say lap too early. You reckon? Yeah. That is probably all that was in it. It, it was, look, a lap too early or 10K is too quick. There wasn't much in it, really. Yeah. Like, it was just one of the mirrors. It, it, the reason why it took him out is the area of the track he did it on was incredibly quick. That was the last chicane. Yep. Uh, he put it into the wall, it snapped his nose. It was red flag, but not enough time to fix it. Yeah. And that's what happens. As for the race, he was making his way up the field. If he, he was there, I dare say, you know, the, the um, Charles would have only finished six because Checo would have been in the top four. Well, the, George and Lewis in the Mercedes strategy meetings before the race, they planned for the fact that Charles and Checo were coming through the field, and they expected to be behind them by the end of the race. Yeah, and I think it would be it would be an act of stupidity to assume that you're able to hold up two of the quickest cars because you can't. You can't. The Checo, only person who can do that's Fernando. Yeah, and no one's quite sure how Fernando can either. Like, because <laughs> that's the thing. Like, you watch Fernando drive, and you're like. He's putting the car in the right spots on the track, but for some reason, no one can get close to him. Exactly. He's probably got like a secret leaf blower, blow more dirty air out the back or something like that. <laughs> Boo to see is on the side. <laughs> <laughs> Red Bull, again, 
just showing why they're now one of the championship teams. And they'll probably double championship at this year at this rate. I reckon so. Which is a good effort for them. They didn't get the double last year. Let's give them a double this year, but next year hopefully someone else can challenge them. Well, and in all reality, Ferrari is a couple of tenths off. That's it. You know, we're not talking seconds anymore. We're talking a couple of tenths of raw pace. Yeah. Mercedes is only a couple of seconds away. And then Alpine's only a few more seconds away from there. So we're looking like next year having, if things go right for these teams, four teams. Four manufacturing teams. Yeah, all the manufacturers being right next to each other. Which would be fantastic for the sport because seeing an eight car, sorry, Ocon's in the car, a seven car fight for the world championship is a lot more exciting than a two car championship. A two. Yeah, it absolutely is. Sorry, I had to take Ocon out. I can't see him fighting for a world championship. Nor do I. Nor do I. Because not only does he lack the raw pace of the others, he has none of that killer instinct. No. And he's also Esteban Ocon. As I've said more than once, my only disappointment for Esteban Ocon's career is that he's done something with it, apart from getting into a fight with Max. Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) Because my (laughs) favourite highlight in all time was Max pushing him over in the pit. And then he gets asked about an interview. He's like, I've got nothing to say except for that man's a pussy. (laughs) Next question. Which is why Max is a world champion. Because he has killer instinct. (laughs) Because he tried to kill that motherfucker after the race. (laughs) Well, considering Ocon fucking ruined his race. Oh, I mean, I get it. I absolutely get it. Also, another funny thing that we saw is that Max got in the F1 fan Survey that went out and he got voted the most popular driver and Daniel went over the press conference. He's like, yeah, but only like 13 people voted. Man. No, 12 people voted. <laughs> yeah, and I would have been the 13. I would have been 13. So, yeah. yeah, I like her. All right, let's move on to our tipping competition because I tell you what, I was on for a, a great one. I know I didn't get it. All right, well, I'm going to start with you first. So you picked Norris Stroll. No, Super- I didn't. No, I didn't. Why not? I think it's. I think these are solid picks. I man. tell you what, you're going to be fucking picking next week. Your teeth off the ground if you pull <laughs> that shit again. <laughs> you can't now say I know, that. Now I know how Dave feels. <laughs> Do you know I don't? Because I actually put my tips in, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I will start with last place this week, and it was you. You had Science in first. Well, he came second, so that's one point. You had Verstappen in second. And he came first. So that's two points. That's. Two total points. You had Leclerc in the top five. So that's a, that's a third point. Then you had Perez and Gasly who are... Yeah, didn't make it. Didn't <laughs> make it. So you came last. I got three. Yep. Next, we have Dave who had Leclerc in first. Well, he came in the top five, so that's a point. Verstappen's a point. Perez isn't a point. Russell's a point, and Hamilton's a point. So he got four. He got four. I'm not really worried about his result, though, Andy. Riso. This is who I'm worried about. You should be, because he had Leclerc first. Well, that's a point. Verstappen second. That's another point. Yep. Perez in third. No points. Russell in fourth. Well, that's a point. And he had Saints in fifth, which is four points. Okay. Honestly, he's one point behind you now. That's fine, because guess what? You're still ahead. I'm one point ahead. <laughs> and also, one point is enough to win a world championship by. That's fair, but I'm streaking ahead. Because I had Verstappen in first, which wins me the round, because I got six points for that. Because <sighs> I had Perez in second, there's nothing. Russell in third, that's a point, so that's seven. 
Hamilton in fourth. Well, he came third, so that's a point. And I had Gasly in fifth, which is nothing. So that's eight points for me. So I'm in total, I'm running away with it on 72 points. Right. You're in second on 49 points. Riso <laughs> is now sniffing your farts at 48 points. And Dave's on 26 points. <laughs> <laughs> Dave really needs to start picking right win. He needs to just bite the bullet and start picking Max first all the time. Yeah, yeah. Because that's my strategy and I'm well out ahead. I think I just need to start, yeah, really just going, it's the same tips every week, take it or leave it. That's what I've basically done for the last four weeks. I've walked away with over six points every week. Yeah, that's fair enough. Where are we racing next week? Well, we're not next no, week, are we? We have we've a got break. This, we've got a week off, and then the week after is the British Grand Prix. Yeah, at Silverstone, always a good race. Yeah, there's always an attempted murder there. Yeah, norm- there's normally some silly buggers happening around there. It's an incredibly fast track. Oh, it's, it's, it's a historic track. It's one of the best. Histor- it's probably the second best historic track. Yeah, 100%. Only it's because I can't put it ahead of Spa. I just can't. No, you can't. Spa, but also Spa's so unique too. Spa's probably my favorite, followed by Silverstone, followed by Monza. Than Monaco. Yeah. And that's, it's not now. There's a lot of tracks behind Monaco, though. Yeah, 100%. There is a hell of a lot more tracks behind Monaco these days than there was a year ago. All right. Well, thank you very much for listening, everybody. We've had a great time making this episode. Please reach out to us on any of our social medias. We are at Formula Bums on everything except for Twitter, which are at Bums Formula. We didn't tweet the last race because it was at 4 a.m. 4 a.m. And we weren't. We weren't staying up or getting up for that bad boy. And we will reach out to a few people about our internal tipping comp soon. Okay, too easy. Thank you very much, guys, and we will catch you next time. See you.